This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. And welcome back to another episode of the Art House Roadshow. My name is Hank. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and co-host um, in this matter. We have our spooky season episode right. <laughs> up today, uh, and we're covering The Exorcist, um, the original uh, 1970s classic, um, not the new updated reboot, um, but the original. And so how are you doing today, Kyle? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Um, so I've heard about the reboot. Um, one, not much good that people like about it. Right. Um but that it was, and I think you you participated in this down at Universal Studios, uh, the their haunted house uh, yeah. exhibit. Because um, I had an, another friend from the yoga studio who went. Mm-hmm. Um, she said it was the new Exorcist uh, was the room that you go through, not the yes. um, the original. So that is correct. Me not having watched the original was unaware. Um, yeah, right. And so now looking back on it, because it features the two girls, right as opposed to just uh the one um so yep there's uh yeah so that was that was what i saw so no spoilers when i walked through the the haunted house which is great um and uh yeah i can't imagine it being much better than this original film i know there's several sequels actually and it wasn't until yeah. you and i talked that i found out that there actually were other sequels yeah other than the one that just came out um so there's there's actually two sequels in addition to the current one is that correct is that uh so well there's the original two sequels exorcist two and three okay um and then you have one that was a total mess got released twice in the 2000s called one's called dominion which was directed by paul schrader um which originally didn't see the light of day because they hated the schrader cut okay um and paul schrader It's a whole other conversation, but he's a guy who wrote Taxi Driver and worked with Scorsese. He's a grip Calvinist, a whole bunch of stuff with him. So he um, directed Dominion, studio hated it, brought in a whole other director to shoot other scenes and recut it, but it bombed at the box office. Um, and then they released Dominion anyways with just <laughs> like unrendered CGI and weird stuff. So that was a whole weird oh, that's um, interesting. part of it. And I think there may have been... Um, one uh even one more since this before this new reboot um okay yep oh yeah is that with like uh stellar stellan skarsgård yeah which plays the younger oh is this the one from that they were talking about in the book from africa is that right yeah well it's at the beginning of the movie at the original exorcist movie when uh yeah father marin is out um and encounters that demon in the open or right opening sequence Yeah. yeah Well, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Stellan Skarsgård fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a big Max uh, von Sydow too. Um, anyway, so those are great. I I'm kind of sad to hear that because I love Stellan Skarsgård. So yeah, much. well, I you know I think um, uh, William Peter Blatty, the author, uh, liked Dominion, the Paul Schrader version, for what it was in terms of what they were at least going after. So I will. I have not yet seen it, but I plan to to watch that at some point. So the both versions are out, the kind of the redo and That's then right. the unrendered. That's right. Um, Dominion. Dominion version. Okay. Yep. Interesting. 
Uh, well, in addition to uh, our conversation on The Exorcist, uh, what else have you been watching recently before we dive back into uh, this movie? Yeah, man, a whole, a whole bunch. I uh, went through Exor- or, uh, Psycho 2 and 3 in October. Oh, yeah. Um, which were interesting sequels. Um, <laughs> yeah, talk about uh, controversial sequels. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I uh, went back and watched Carrie. Uh, Carrie's interesting. So Stephen King's, right. um, you know, that was his first book, and that was actually uh, him reading The Exorcist inspired him to be like, maybe I can make a go as a horror writer. Mm. Uh, and The Exorcist really spawns, you know, a boom in horror writing in yeah. the first place. Well, I'm a big uh, Stephen King fan, so yeah. Um, yeah. E- even though I have yet to see Carrie, I cannot make myself watch Misery, though. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. With... Uh, yeah, it's just, it is a nightmare to me. Mm-hmm. Like that, I don't know why, is like more of a, like I can watch it all day long or read it all day long. You know, the idea of like a presence of a killer clown yeah, right. doesn't bother me, but this like one deranged woman who yep. can like break your ankles and keep you captive. No doubt. It's my worst nightmare. Yeah, right. So, yeah, um, you never know what's going to be, right? Yeah, you yeah. don't. You don't. You don't. Well, that's cool. So, you've been, you've been kind of on a horror kick recently. Yeah, well, it was October and. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, and yeah, it's an easy way to, you know, connect with friends and, and then, but my, uh, younger son, Francis, who's 15, he wanted to watch the exorcist. So we watched that. Okay. Together. Um, yeah. Interesting. So random question then, like what, in your opinion, like you obviously have consumed a lot recently. So this is probably fresh on your mind. What, ca- what do you think makes a good, in your estimation, a good horror movie? Like what are the, what are the kind of recipes that need to be, that need to go into it? Yeah, well, that's yeah. There's a lot of various strands you can go down with that. Yeah. I think it's more. It's obviously going to be more personal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I don't like experiencing the demonic on screen, and you know, you've seen the Conjuring movies, which I've not, you know, <laughs> entered into. Um, but I am in, super interested in kind of the spiritual aspect of The Exorcist, for for example, when it's uh, actually wrestling with faith in, mm. in some sort of way. Um, and the, you know, variations on that. So Carrie, again, is a good example of, um, Carrie has specific, you know, telepathic abilities that are interestingly in a st- very Stephen King, you know, writing about adolescence kind of way, right. Which he does really well. Um, and so when she basically begins her process with puberty, she develops this, you know, telekinetic, uh, ability and her mom is, you know, this very oppressive woman uh, who's highly religious um, in a very distorted kind of way, uh, and their relationship is incredibly, you know, dysfunctional. Um, so you get a lot of that good family stuff, uh, and her whole, you know, gift, spiritual gifting, you know, doesn't obviously fit in that context. Mm. Um, and, but it grants her, you know, powers to defend herself against bullies at school. So classic themes, right. Right. Um, going on with that. So the Stephen King element brings in kind of that adolescent family, you know, kind of dynamic into those different universes that he often creates. Yeah. Um, which are, which are fascinating. And then, you know, we've, we talked about slasher stuff as we talked through Halloween previous episodes, but. Uh, yeah, just its primal fears, and um, <clears throat> Francis and I um, were watching the Through the Scream movies, uh, and again, just a sense of, um, you know, the killer being close to you, 
uh, the, the sense of your <clears throat> home invasion, you know, kinds of things, uh, preying upon some of these uh, fears, which are, you know, just really interesting um, ways of telling stories. And I think I criticized so a more recent one, Barbarian, right. from a year or two ago. Uh, again, I criticized this in Psycho 3 as well, but it uh, and, and Halloween 3, the recent Halloween 3. Uh, where they introduce something is introduced that seems like wow this could revolutionize you know the storytelling here uh, and can be absolutely become about like Norman Bates uh, ability to heal and reconcile something here's an opportunity the way that they introduced the original character who's a fallen nun um, and uh, so when you know movies don't see that those through and instead go for cheap like well we'll just retread with Norman Bates and he'll just basically end up doing the same thing that's right and end up in the same place right um, and so really nothing nothing changes um, and in Barbarian you know this guy gets into this basement extra you know basement underneath a basement uh, which is obviously you know a, a representation of hell Right. Um, and purgatory. And then, you know, out of, you know, fighting his way out of that, you know, nothing has changed for this character. Um, yeah. And so then it's just, you know, like cynical or, or nihilist or, or whatever. Uh, but the if you get into some of the reading about the 70s uh, horror movies as things, you know, began to evolve, especially the studios are embracing some mm-hmm. of this, the omen, uh, whatever other kinds of stories, the exorcist, obviously, here. Um but this idea of the return of the repressed, mm. so a very Freudian and Marxist way of looking at uh, these stories and, and characters and things that have been, you know, uh, oppressed in modern society uh, are now coming out in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, if you get the Jason movies, uh, Friday the 13th movies, um, every time somebody has premarital sex, they usually die. It's very predictable, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and you have, you know, this kind of interesting uh, morality commentary, social commentary going on mm-hmm. um, as people are trying to express them, themselves in these uh, new modern, postmodern kind of ways, secular right. kind of ways. Yeah. Um, and making a lot of, you know, uh, Reagan in the exorcist as a you know adolescent you know uh or yeah around 12 year old pre pre adolescent uh girl and the like very um you know uh harsh things that she's saying as obviously she's possessed but also the sexuality uh in it it's very disturbing right at times um related to older men you know so just a lot of really uh, interesting things to extract from that conversation. So now I've right. r- rambled myself. No, no, I love it. I love it. Around it, and around. Well, it's, I mean, not to retread all the way back to the beginning of what yeah. you're saying. I, I still think, and I, I contend that you would enjoy the conjuring universe because of that grappling with faith. Sure. Especially the first one, the first one, which was overseen by, um, so it, you know, it follows the Warrens. Yeah. Right. And I always forget the name. Um, I guess I could look it up. But the uh, the the Warrens are these kind of famous demonologists. Um, it's a Lorraine Warren. She was still alive when the first Conjuring movie came out. And so, what I mean, these films. I mean, again, not to get too far down this rabbit trail. And if you ever do see it, I think we should probably cover. Yeah, it. for sure, man. Um, yeah, next on, year for sure. On the uh, con, like we should we should cover this because there there's been quite a few, and I think. 
for the for the most part they they are quite good um like i've seen the most recent nun movie and i feel like that was really good but these this film the set of films kind of came out as a result and if you've ever um uh i mean if you've ever heard of the amityville horrors mm-hmm. oh yeah the, these that's actually the warrens the warrens were the ones who uh were uh, at that ed and lorraine warren are, are their names yeah um and so, like, there's a catalog of all the cases that they had that are very, like, private, that were sealed. And then after Ed Warren passed away, Lorraine Warren decided to um, kind of open up the case logs to kind of let people know a little bit more about it. And so the first Conjuring movie was actually about the one that disturbed them the most. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it was, like, the one that they really yeah. struggled with because Lorraine Warren is a is kind of an empath um she has a like like a gift for sight and things like that and so she saw something or like was in the process of like seeing something as a result of this actual event that was actually quite terrifying but Mm -hmm. they're very good catholics faith is a huge part about it and i mean in every film including the nuns and the annabelle movies this whole idea of like god kind of overcoming the powers of evil you know is is very much a central theme um the i don't without spoiling it the way that they do this in the nun i find actually quite funny mm-hmm. um and, and quite sacramental but it's just it's uh it's yeah, kind of sure. humorous in a way to do it so yeah i do think you would love that yeah. that grappling with it and i think we talked about this last year when we did nope um one of the things i love about horror right now is the way in which the 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 genre is being used less is just as kind of like a you know slash hack and jump scare right but also to communicate something that's really deep and traumatic, like the way that like um, slavery still has its ramifications and mm-hmm. racism still has this kind of like haunting effect. I mean, even the um, the kind of reboot done by Jordan Peele um, of the uh, Candyman, mm. which I think is a really interesting. It actually tells a legacy of lynching, yep. which is not something the original touched. It was is very classic kind of horror movie. And I thought that this was a really interesting, um, you know, way to cover that. And yeah, I, th- for sure. I, th- I think that's a, anyway, I just find that fascinating when someone can use a genre like that in a way that is still, you know, truly horrifying, but also tells a really complicated story in a unique way. Absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, you know, to connect it back to what we're well, doing. Well, and here. horror, yeah, horror just has a unique uh, way uh, and um, ability Mm -hmm. to dig in and grapple with these things in a much more visceral way. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, really is, it's very confrontational related to those conversations. And so it's very, super interesting. Yeah. And obviously like the, um, to the, the way in which science fiction does this as Mm -hmm. well is quite powerful. Yeah. I think those genres can be quite mesmerizing in the ways that they can communicate things, but Anyway, without uh, getting too far down the road, two two movies that I'm I'm looking forward to coming out that in terms of like what I'm watching, I'll see the Marvels in a couple of days, which will probably just like be a standard fair superhero thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but the Ballad of uh, Songbirds and Snakes, based off of uh, the prequel to the Hunger Games, um, that's right, comes out next week. I'm actually excited about seeing that one because I think this con- these series, this series, com- especially in the in the books, is really just a general commentary on human nature and. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is actually quite like on the nose about it. It begins with like quotes from like Rousseau and Locke and Hobbes and all these famous kind of 
um, mm-hmm. philosophers and political figures. And so I, um, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that on the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure we'll probably, uh, I'll probably have a review of that one, um, at least coming up. But, um, anyway, let's yeah. dive into, um, the exorcist. There's a lot of things around the exorcist, like a lot of kind of mythology and kind of tales of like stuff that happened on the set. That was kind of eerie. I think my favorite story is that when they're actually doing the exorcist scene, Linda Blair is so good at delivering her lines that Max von Sydow kept forgetting his because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she was just so like surprisingly good yeah. at going into this space, yeah. um, which I, th- I think is, is quite, I mean, because Max von Sydow, I mean, he's one of the greatest actors yeah. <laughs> of his generation. And so, um, yeah, a couple generations. Yeah, yeah, I would say so for sure. But, um, you know, could you share with our viewers a little bit, it doesn't have to be super exhaustive, but I know that you know a little bit of a background of like the original director and kind of the novels that went into this and maybe even some of the drama that went into the sequels. But uh, can you give us any kind of like context for these films, like how they came out, like what's what was the thought behind them? Yeah. Inspiration, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Again, and it'd be easy to jump around. But uh, yeah, William Peter Blatty is most interesting just as the author. Um, very Catholic, grew up uh, or went to, to Georgetown on a uh, scholarship he didn't think he was going to get, but grew up, you know, very poor. And um, but uh, in getting to pursue uh, education and pursue writing, uh, somewhat quickly ended up in Hollywood writing comedies and uh, one of the Pink Panther movies um, and some various other things before uh, potentially writing something more serious, such as The Exorcist, uh, which is based on a, uh, a newspaper article, Washington Post, I believe, from like 1949 or 1950 of a possession uh, that intrigued him, uh, you know, quite deeply uh, that he explored and obviously became the basis for the story that he developed um and i think beyond the you know retelling of some of those original events and then you know making them more um yeah explicit or whatever uh goes along with that but integrating um you know his variations of the priest and the backstory obviously as i mentioned earlier in terms of the kind of opening and where does this thing come from and and so stuff i'm super interested to read in the book itself uh, more of because it's a primarily silent sequence, mm. uh, which is uh, was exciting to just you know watch. Um, and but anyways, but the key character coming up to or, or talking about also the Exorcist three, which is William Peter Blatty's uh, own sequel. Uh, he was not a part of the the first sequel, Exorcist two. He ended up writing a second novel, but the kind of key character through both of those is the detective. Yeah. Uh, Kinderman, um, played by two different actors because it's, you know, uh, 17 years apart, the movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a character who, one, you know, is deeply loves movies um, and was friends with Father Karras in the first story and then uh, Father Dyer in, in the second. Um, and they use movies as a framework for some things. But also, it's a, just a very well-read. It's obviously a projection of the author, right? Very well-read Russian literature, quotes Russian literature and Shakespeare mm. throughout while he's, you know, uh, in in the sequel Legion, uh, The Exorcist Three, is wrestling with faith and doubt, of course, 
Um, and in a way, uh, with the first movie is about good overcoming evil. Um, the second movie is about, you know, faith overcoming unbelief. Um, and so, and he's the primary character in that rather than, you know, the, the possessed, you know, or the priest, Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, in a very fascinating character to, um, yeah, just feel connected to and understand and be processing along with you, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these issues of, of faith and, and, uh, belief and struggle and all of that. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, and I yeah. mean, I love, I love that theme and I, without sounding too preachy here and hopefully I don't like the thing that I, I really enjoy are the films that can help us kind of like grapple with the faith. Cause so much of like, I feel like a lot of like modern depictions of faith is just kind of like, well, I can carry, you've got the, I mean, mm-hmm. Stephen King's kind of famous for this. You've yeah, no the doubt. worst of the faithful, yep. you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's no real healthy way of wrestling with, again, in a healthy way of our concerns around faith, around doubt, um, around these kind of immoral, I mean, just like spiritual issues. I mean, I, I think of, uh, something like what's going on in like the original invisible man where mm-hmm. faith is kind of seen as like the people who are, like the faithful for lack of a better term those are the ones who are really seeing and can name the what what is wrong about how the guy is using science to turn himself invisible and what he's using those things for like it's a real like exploration of like okay how does our faith actually tell us what are the limits of what we should do yeah which i really deeply appreciate and this film i think you know still gets to that because there's this kind of juxtaposition between like all of the medical answers that um, they're trying to go through, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, in some sense, the kind of torture that Reagan has kind of put through Absolutely. on the, in the process of trying to figure out like what is going on, uh, in her life and things like that. Um, and so like you have all of that. And then when the faith scene comes on to the play, you even have the resistance of the priest of father Karras, who's very much like, Oh, well we, we don't do that anymore. Like right. that kind of thing. Like even unaware in his own tradition that this still exists as a, yeah. you know, a habit. And then, you know, working through that in, in a very brief and limited way with father Marin, um, who himself is trying to help Karis see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So wrestling with his own faith, his own doubt in that way. Yeah. And he's uh, a, basically a psychiatrist priest first, but then sent to school for psychiatry. Right. Um, and that's really become his angle. Uh, but we also learned that he studied witchcraft, you know, uh, at least in one of his classes in, in, uh, priest his school for priest divinity school. Um, and, uh, and has some association with it, but, uh, certainly, uh, and again, in this very, you know, 19, late sixties, early seventies kind of contention, uh, as you know, uh, the academic world has become much more, you know, a part of our life and much right. more, many more opportunities and people are thinking, uh, and being taught to think, um, and, um, and yeah, just figure things out, right. Politically mm-hmm. and psychologically, uh, philosophically, all these conversations. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it's easy to lean into what well, we have, you know, we have un- an understanding about it schizophrenia mm-hmm. about you know these different things and so again coming back to horror as kind of the return of the repressed uh perspective you know that that also includes this deeply 
uh, spiritual experience that people mm -hmm. have been having. Uh, so obviously all through the Bible um, and all through church history, you right. know, people having clearly having uh, very spiritual experiences, whether they're mm -hmm. uh, demonic or related to the Holy Spirit or whatever. Um, and mm -hmm. then if you, you know, look at, you know, one of your favorite movies is The Witch. That's right. Um, and the director, yeah. the director from that doing, you know, uh, I mean, he's like Enneagram 5, like I'm going to like research whatever movie I'm making is going to be uh, incredibly well researched. Um, and so again, just die. That's it's out there, right? You right. can, you can learn about as much as you want to learn about yeah. regarding, uh, demons or witchcraft or saints, um, and, uh, transcendent, you know, experiences. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the witch was one of those first films that gave me just like severe existential dread, like as I was watching it. I mean, um, like I told this funny, I was telling my wife yesterday because, I always have a, I always propped up The Exorcist in my mind as like the most terrifying film. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized all this other stuff I've watched since then has been more terrifying. Yeah. In this real sense, so much so that this really didn't bother me or, or kind, yeah. I mean, I've kind of seeing exorcism has kind of become, uh, I mean, especially if you watch anything like The Conjuring, it's like it's pretty frequent right right know, and things like that so it's well and yeah just possession itself is you know a very common uh you know um storytelling device in yeah. horror movies you yep. yeah and it, i mean it's it's fascinating to watch um like the i think i've i've heard more <laughs> just through films i've heard more of the the, Ro the roman catholic rite of exorcism than probably anyone should have. Right. Uh, just because of, like, you know, the, the yeah. Warrens have done it. I mean, obviously, they do quite a bit of it here um, with Max von Sydow's Father Marin. I mean, obviously, I love the wrestling with, um, in the end, Father Karras, you know, taking the demon upon himself and, and leaping from the window so as to kind of, like, remove yeah. the demon from the home uh, and this young girl, um, which I think is a very, obviously, a very powerful it's supposed to be a very powerful sign of like Christ's sacrifice yeah, right. and things of that nature. And I, I, f I found that to be very compelling um, in this nature. But I mean, anything, like I said, that does this kind of work of faith and science, especially, and helping us work through the nuance of each yeah. um, is, I think, a very helpful tool for me, at least in terms of like my own kind of personal growth, like that healing aspect mm -hmm. of what faith, faith can be um, to us. And that, like I said, I think, again, um, there's other films that do this for me too, like the uh, I th there's a uh, the uh, what's it called the uh, M Night Shyamalan film uh, The Devil, which is all takes place in an elevator, mm. uh, which kind of works through issues of faith as well, um, as well as some other things like that too. So um, it's very interesting. I'm I'm more intrigued now by these films. I might actually check out The Exorcist Three since that's a direct sequel. It's this um, is a great movie. It's just a really great movie. Yeah, I think I will check that out actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of as you watch this film, what are some of the things that uh, like you take away from it maybe that are um, somebody who's watched it for the first time or maybe not watched it at all needs to pay attention to in your mind? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, hard to um, – uh, I mean, in a way, yeah, it's not what you think at all, right? Uh, it's not this – necessarily even though at the time again and you never know what movie that's going to be in what era the witch you know from almost a decade ago now right um and whatever but part of it's also just like you know if you're not 
used to engaging with horror movies, uh, those are, yeah, they're, they're challenging experiences. Right. Right. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, as you already explained, like they spend a lot of time in the movie, um, just trying to figure out like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things don't really get, uh, wild until halfway through or more. And I would say the same with the part three, uh, before you start actually engaging with, you know, something terrifying, um, and, but even with that, I think it's just fascinating for me to see the priest, you know, just interacting with it, preparing for it. Um, and for Father Karras, like, you know, starting to like, uh, just embrace, you know, the possibility of it and, and learning about it from Father Marin, like, you know, uh, the devil, the demon's going to mix truth and lies together. Don't get reeled in by that. So one of the great developments in the book and the movie is Father Karras uh, is taking care of his elderly mother, and uh, she passes away at some point, and he's not there to be with her, um, and is just carrying all sorts of guilt mm, uh, yep. for that. Um, and you know, this is true of other deliverance kind of things uh, that I've heard about too. But yeah, just that uh, explicit, you know, um, and just general understanding, right, of like satan and satanic and the great deceiver and the you know author mm-hmm. of lies and mm-hmm. things that we say that are in the bible and that are not in the bible about the devil <laughs> right um yeah. right but just a sense of yeah this powerful way of and again it's very explicit right for most of us it's like internal i'm wrestling with my guilt i'm wrestling with lies and truth right. and they're mixed together and i don't know what's what but i'm just like uh, a mess about it so you get to see that like in this very visceral way as this demon's attacking his psychology and his right. emotions more than what you would be scared of and what you do see uh regarding the vomiting or things that are gross about it you know or whatever um but it's more of the like yeah attacking you know the the person's integrity mm-hmm. um and even, you know, his, you know, the final moments, him wrestling through, like, coming back in, into himself enough to, to take that final action um, is really phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think that that uh, – but it's hard to say how to prepare yourself for a movie like The Exorcist. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of like you got to, you know, ju- jump in the pool. You can't really That's right. put your toes in first. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, it's just you got to get in there and see it. It's funny, yeah. like I think that, I mean, obviously this is this takes place in the seventies. One of the elements that I feel like most movies that do kind of the exorcisms, like I'm thinking like the Pope's Exorcist, for example. Yeah, yeah, which I watched yeah this summer. Um, and one of the things that's fascinating about that that's very similar. There's a very fallible secondary priest yeah. in the room and a very kind of upright righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually the fallible one that has to carry a very significant portion of it as the uh, primary kind of gets incapacitated. Yeah. And um, I find that to be very interesting um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you could draw some connections between that and the kind of the ongoing scandals in the Catholic Church. But generally speaking, I, I, that fallibility that's introduced here in the 70s um, is, I think, a fascinating way of like um, – not attacking, but I think humanizing in a certain way. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. Like those who are in the priesthood and like what kind of like what faith actually can be like faith is not just this kind of perfection, (laughs) you know, that, uh, but like it really can be this. um, I mean, even the guy who just uh, 20 minutes earlier in the scene was trying to convince uh, 
uh, Chris uh, McNeil's character that exorcisms were not going to help her daughter. Right, right. You know, here in this moment during an exorcism, taking the demon upon themselves um, to uh, like remove it from the girl, you know, is itself this fallible character turning into, you know, like this this leap of faith that he kind of has to take in his in his own psyche. Um, I still, I still think is profoundly helpful, um, yeah. as a picture that, and again, that humanization of the priesthood, um, I think is a helpful piece there. I mean, you've got that, uh, the help out a former altar boy, that moment, um, early in the film, um, the conversation in the director's cut, which I'm finding out that I did not even see. Yeah. So if, if you do decide to watch it, highly recommend the d- director's cut because there's a couple scenes in there, I think that are really powerful that I missed out on. And I'm only now finding out that I yeah, didn't now, get to see. Now Hank has to watch the movie again. That's right. I'm going to watch it again. So pray for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Th- and that's the, the comment is about good and evil. Um, and, well, uh, and I would say, too, I mean, one, yeah, the hum- hu- humanizing side is obviously relatable. Just a good right. character, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of storytelling for us, but, uh, but also theologically that um, Jesus and God works through weakness right mm-hmm. right um and it's our weakness where god is strong right um so it's also a theological kind of you know uh representation and you know visualization um of god really uh showing up and working through weakness where the you know priest with authority you know comes to the end of his journey uh on earth uh, maybe only for old, you know, out of old age, uh, more than anything else there. But um, but the yeah, the authoritative priest uh, is kind of taken out, and it's left to the weak um, guy struggling with faith and and you know doubt and all these things and guilt. Uh, the worst of it, you know, really is now left to you know uh, in this fight with the demon. Um, and so yeah, it's very again very Christian. Uh, theological mm-hmm. uh, context for that, which I love. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a very powerful film in that way. I mean, obviously the thing that, I mean, I, I think I remember reading that in the first showing of The Exorcism, people were leaving the theaters and vomiting because of the right. grotesque nature of the film. Um, and since then, Exorcism has become kind of a like an obsession of a lot of um, not just like people of faith, but also of uh, um, films yeah. that portray it. Absolutely, there's, there's a lot to do with that trope. There's a lot to do in that trope. Yeah, of what that can, what it can do, like as a literary feature, and obviously blurring the lines between um, reality and story can be a powerful way. I always think of uh, there's a exorcism movie of like the I think the exorcism of Emily Rose or something like that where it kind of used like uh, primary recordings of an exorcism in the film, you know, as a way to mm. blur those lines. I yeah, think, sure. Again, to show us that there's stuff out there. And again, it's a, it's just a trope. It's a trope that I think is really, really important. Um, I guess we, you know, if, if we're advising people and, and I would, I'll let you kind of like uh, tell them next step. So if they watch the exorcism and enjoy the film, um, you would recommend, you can tell me if I'm wrong here to maybe go to the third volume and then maybe check out uh the exorcist legacy uh, which is a book that i can see here but our, our listeners cannot um but like where would you invite them to go like yeah. to uh 
next step? So they enjoy the genre. They want more of it. Like what's the, you know, what's the next steps? Yeah. Well, I think the, the first sequel to the movie, the exorcist two, I think has its own fan base as well. So I haven't uh, sat down with that one yet because I wanted to jump to the third one. Um, because it's a sequel based on another William Peter Blatty novel, uh, a book sequel to the original book. Okay. Um, and so that's the kind of that, and, and probably the Dominion movie has the most to offer regarding the, okay. the the core context, you know, exploring the context of the the books and that whole universe. But okay. Um, but yeah, I'd say that the I'm excited to watch the the original sequel that's kind of non-canon, but it has Linda Blair's back um and some of that going on so i'm interested to see what they do do with that yeah um and how it goes i expect it to probably be you know even more wild um in in terms of uh demonic activity and whatever the way that sequels are always bigger than the you know original um but anyways yeah um but yeah so the there's a lot of things is the the exorcist is 50 years old this year 1973 it came out um, so yeah, the book that's here, that's called the exorcist legacy, you know, goes through documents the last 50 years. And, uh, obviously before that, the development of the book and the writing of the book and, and the original case, but then gets into, you know, all the different sequels right. and kind of the life of this thing that it's had over time. William Freakin, who just passed away as a great director, made the original French, Con- French connection before making the exorcist, which really, you know, uh, ma- made him even more famous than he was and has been a great director, you know, over decades. Um, and anyways, yeah, just a lot, a lot to explore there any way that you uh, yeah. want to dig into it. But I'm excited to read the actual novels uh, because I want to know more about Kinderman, mm. especially in the first one, and explore the kind of that original um, – scene from the beginning and what happens there and just you know hear that that described it sounds fun yeah um to to get into and and uh just enjoy and appreciate yeah awesome well i think those are some good next steps um i think that this film uh just to kind of summarize um and for this podcast it is obviously um there's a lot of themes here of mental health of faith doubt and all of those things and any film that helps us wrestle with those i think in a in a you know, in a nuanced way is, is worth watching. And so this comes with a uh, strong recommend from the uh, Roadhouse crew. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, but certainly it's, it is uh, it is among some other good and, and bad, you know, iterations on the same theme. Yeah. Um, any final words as we're wrapping up here, my friend? Yeah. Uh, no, but the other, you know, context for it is just, you know, that uh, early, you know, 70s, you know, the big shift with a different kind of horror that we talked about again with right. Halloween and the slasher. Um, but psycho in 1960, night of the living dead, you know, zombies in 68, the exorcist and Texas chainsaw, uh, Toby Hooper, uh, in 74 and then Carrie in 76. And so, and there's, you know, obviously a lot more, um, surrounding that, but just a unique era, mm-hmm. you know, of independent and studio, uh, making horror films that are really thoughtful um, can be really scary, but just have a lot to offer regarding, you know, yeah. uh, things we forementioned, but right. good stuff. Yeah. And I think we're heading back into a new age of that um, as well. And so there's more of this kind of these films with the conjuring universe, because, you know, there were three kind of uh, that launched in the earlier two thousands of the 
The Conjuring, there's the Insidious franchise. Ironically, both uh, involving um, Patrick, uh, I always forget his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you're uh, talking about. Yeah, and uh, he uh, anyway. So he's in both. So he plays the same character in the in Insidious. Movies? Yeah, he plays. Yeah. I mean, not not um, Warren. Um, he just plays a dad of a family gotcha. um, who himself gets possessed, uh, and, and as a result of kind of some of the themes. And I, I enjoyed the first Insidious. It never captivated me in the way that like the Conjuring franchise did. And so, like, I'm kind of limited in terms of my own <laughs> right. appreciations of it. But there's some other ones too. And I mean, you can give me a. Um, I mean, you can give me uh, any kind of like uh, genre in this, uh, or not genre, any kind of film in this genre, um, and you know there has to be some of this faith and doubt stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. as the, um, I think even like William uh, Peter Blatty said, you know, like the the devil is like, basically running commercials for God in in its kind mm-hmm. of like exploration. So I find that to be a really rather compelling um, theme continually. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that'll about wrap it up for us. Uh, We are uh, going to, and I think uh, we're really excited about this, be covering in our next podcast, The Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, And uh, looking forward to kind of getting into Martin Scorsese's uh, most recent film. Uh, Stay on the lookout maybe for some reviews coming up. Uh, we got some good films coming out this fall, especially as we get closer to the end of the year, beginning of the new year. Um, some award finalists trying to kind of get their last little That's bit, right. uh, last little bit in. And so there's a couple. I'm, I'm one movie I'm looking forward to is Napoleon mm. uh, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, it has that kind of uh, gladiator feel. Yeah. You know? And Napoleon's always just been someone I've been interested in. So um, anyway. Yeah, uh, but there's other movies that we'll probably be covering soon. So anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you here next time on the Art House Road Show. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Road Show. We'll see you next time. <laughs>